It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Scott's book, the title, has now just come out. The title is Golf Decoded, Unraveling the Game's Greatest Secrets. If you guys want to get a head start on this book, go ahead and hop on over to his Instagram at shassigolf, two S's and two E's, and go ahead and pre-order the book on GoFundMe. It's $14.99, and it'll be the best $14.99 you guys have ever spent. It comes with a lot of free extras, uh, a lot of content throughout the book that you guys will be able to scan a QR in the book and go ahead and uh, check out the videos that are linked to those QR codes. So it's more than just a book, it's a golf cheat code. So hop on over, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Peace. There's no rules! Shoot a lower score! There's one rule! Welcome back to the back porch of Franklin Bridge, where, for the first time in a long time, we don't have a guest tonight. We were supposed to, uh, but... Uh, due to work at their job, um, they had to bail, uh, which, hey, I get it. You, when the boss calls and you're working at a nice private club, you, you kind of got to gotta jump in and do what you got to do at a big event at their club. I will say that those guests, if you follow Scott on Instagram, at Golf, or if you follow me on Instagram, I believe I reposted it too, the, our special guests were the most recent uh, course record holders here at Franklin Bridge, and that course record, I assume, still stands. Yeah, it's, it's only going, been a week. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere for a while. So, um, Micah and Austin, shout out to you guys. Yeah, Micah shot 65, and then about 60 seconds later, Austin put it in for a 63. So, yeah, hey, you know, so. Hey, the first three course records under a new layout are all my students, so that's kind of a lot of fun. It's just so, so funny, yeah. uh, like, watching them play and how nonchalant they are about it. And, um, you know, as I'm going along my golf journey, too, I'm, I'm starting to understand how when you get enough reps in and enough practice with the, with the swing that works over time, like, Gosh. you can be nonchalant about it. Yeah. Like, there's a reason Pat Perez can go out on any golf course he wants and just, like, drink the whole time. And still shooting the 60s. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the cool thing about watching Austin, remember on the 10th green? Oh, you weren't there for this. So on the Mm -mm. 10th green, you didn't hear this part of it. He was like, dude, I'm so nervous today for some reason. Like, I'm I'm never nervous. Now, he hasn't played. He had COVID. He got COVID, like, two months ago. And so he hasn't really played much because he's just been just, like, sucked all of his energy out. Um, But he... uh, He kind of settled in. We got to watch that. So we'll, we'll wait to share some of that, but it was really neat to see him. Even though he was under more nerves than he's used to, he had a strategy to go to to really settle in, and we really got to see that take off on the back nine, which was like... That was the, fun. Yeah, the way I described it was like, it's like a tree, like all of a sudden just shooting roots down and just like digging into the round, and you just saw him settle in and just tear it up because he was only two under through seven holes yeah and micah was already four under through seven we started on the back and then he goes birdie birdie and then you just saw this like straight to eight under par so that's something special well speaking of we i had the perfect segue 
I think it was. Uh, I, I was going to say something about like once he got a few drinks in him, which he did. Oh, <laughs> speaking yeah. of drinks, Scott, would you like to explain this bad boy right so here? So, for those that know me, uh, I don't drink, never have. Um, I won't judge. I won't judge you if you do. Um, but just never have. And uh, we, I was playing in a scramble event to support Down syndrome um, at. The Legends, thanks to Ken and Dawn kind of got me in. Dawn missed it. She had to, she had other things come up in life that <clears throat> she couldn't be there. But, anywho, uh, there's always a long drive in these tournaments. I'm three for three going into this one. I've won the long drive three times. So, I don't like losing the long drive. <laughs> so, especially since I gained all that weight last year um, in strength. So, I'm not going to lose. There are four Corn Fairy Tour guys at this tournament. They had the long drive, and we started on one. The long drive was on the 18th hole, um, so they had already been through that area. <clears throat> I hit it about six inches to a foot by him. We had to use a range finder to confirm that I actually had the win. So that was uh, that was kind of cool. But, yeah, uh, I won it. And no normally when I win these things, like it's like a $100 gift card to the, in the pro shop or you win a driver, you win something, you win something that's just like, doesn't matter to me as a golf professional because like I get all that stuff for free anyway, and subtle flex. <clears throat> I just it's just part of being a golf professional. It's like if I need equipment, I need apparel, I have it. Um, and so this one, I was like, all right, I was about to leave because I had a um, had a conference call with a university that I'm going to go speak at here in a couple of weeks. Um, <clears throat> but we. <laughs> I was like, hey, just give it to the young man in our group is 15, whatever the prize is. And I'm about to walk out, and they start getting ready to announce the winners of different things. And I walk up just before I leave, and they're like, oh, here's this bottle of Jack. Uh, Gentleman ja Jack. Yeah, Gentleman Jack. Um, it's, got, it's got the label of the organizations that um, – I don't know what that's called. Like, it's etched into the glass. It's a laser etching. Super cool. Uh, 1.75 liters bottle of Jack. I was like, cool. That doesn't work for me, and I can't certainly can't give it to the 15-year-old kid. <laughs> so, because normally I'm like, hey, whatever prize I give, like just give it to him, he, you know. So, with that said, drinks are on me tonight, and I'm gonna gift whatever's left in the bottle to Jack. So, because it's named after me, you know. I, I told him I, you know, I had the bottle put, you know, had him put his me. name on there. So, so that's right. <laughs> that's if there's any left, Jack. Um, hey, no worries. If you can't drive home, I'll DD. So I'm all good. You know? <laughs> I might have to make a couple trips. But uh, anywho, if you would like a drink, welcome to come up. Help yourself. Just don't break it. And save some for Jack. So, Jack, you get the first one. No, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour while we talk. Okay. So If you um, want it, just come on up to me. But I will be pouring myself one. You <laughs> don't want anybody to drop that bottle. Um. So, anywho, we're six minutes into this. Uh, <laughs> Finally. What are we talking about, Scott? Uh, so, I really want to share something that I think um, it is a little bit of uh, clickbait-ish, but I, I think it's something that's really helpful. Is uh, We're going to title this one, um, The Greatest Lesson Ever Given. And no, it's not the one I gave the other day. <laughs> uh, but... I don't. I wouldn't mind if you share that at some point while we're talking about this. Um, so, there was the um, best lesson I've ever given. <coughs> uh, actually, goes back to when I was 
uh, teaching. I was only two years into teaching at Greystone Country Club. Now, this being said, I have given lessons where I fixed golf swings faster, quicker since then. So, um, but the the overarching point is much deeper. Uh, Hank used to challenge me after I'd been teaching about a year, year and a half. He said, "Hey, you need to you need to find an opportunity to try and give a golf lesson with no words." And I was like, "What? Why? Like, no, what do you mean no words?" He's like, "No words other than like basic directive, like, hey, I need you to move over here to so we can shoot video, or I need you to move over here <coughs> so we can do whatever in that department." So, um, <coughs> so. I was like, well, I don't know when I'm going to do this. And I'm too, I'm still young. So I'm too afraid to like, I've only been teaching for a year and a half. I'm 25 years old. Like, what am I, what am I going to do? So, um, I didn't have anybody I could think of. I was too afraid to do it. And then there was one of the members there had a guy he was doing some real estate business with that was from China. His name is Mr. Tan. Uh, Mr. Tan might be the nicest, wealthiest man I've ever met. Crazy, crazy backstory. If you want to know about it, come talk to me. I'm happy to share it with you. But um, <clears throat> super, super nice dude. And even though he didn't speak English, he had a translator with him. And so he decided to book out my entire lesson book for the week, for the, the days he was there. So he was there for a week. And so I only gave lessons to Mr. Tan. And I first start by trying to use his translator. Now, Mr. Tan wasn't any good at golf. He was a beginner. He walked around, couldn't break 100. But uh, so we start working using his translator the whole first day. That was the worst lesson I ever gave. Don't ever try to use a translator to give a golf lesson or do anything <laughs> physical. It just, it just doesn't work. It's terrible. Like Things get lost in translation. And then you're talking to the person and you're waiting for the translator to speak. And then he talks to the translator or talks to me. It's a big game of telephone. It's just, oh my gosh. It's, um, and I'm sure the translations were good. Like I, I have no reason to believe they weren't, but it just didn't work. And so I was like, oh, okay. Flashback in my head. And I talked to Hank about it. He's like, well, here's your opportunity. I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to use as little words as possible. You know, they, you got yes and no and good and bad. Like, that's the extent of his English knowledge. Like, he didn't speak any English, um, and he could barely pronounce my name, Scott. It's not the hardest. He called me Skull. Skull. And he put his hand up really high when he's like, oh, Skull. Um, tall, Skull. Yeah. So when the staff asked him who he was taking a lesson from, he's like, oh, Skull. Uh, so it was, it was kind of funny. Um, so <laughs> anywho, um, I was forced to put my hands on the student and put them where I needed to be. This is why COVID was really hard last year. So with COVID, like where I'm really good, I don't need training aids by and large. I, I use some teas, maybe a noodle here and there, maybe some alignment sticks, but I don't use much cause I don't need much. Um, Which was funny because you sent me an Instagram story a few weeks back of this training academy that just had this. They they had a name for it. What they had it was like the Corral of Death or something like yeah, that. Yeah, some, something insane. Where they blah. they put you like you know there's a PVC on your back. There's PVC on your front. You there's like PVC there's where you have to swing and the stuff. And there's noodles a bag at the end. And it's just like what are we doing here? And it it just like. What what are you trying to do? Like, 
you're not actually accomplishing anything. Like you're maybe getting them in the right spots, but they're not hitting shots and they're not learning how to move. Yeah. And so go, before you go into your story, tell everybody why you why you don't use training aids, why you don't use a TrackMan yet. I love TrackMan, but we don't. We don't, don't have it, it yet. Yet we've got one. We'll have one coming this coming year. So, um, but like, explain to everybody why you don't do that. Um, first, if you're a teacher who has to use training aids, and keep this in mind, I use training aids a lot in the past. It's not not like I'm unfamiliar with them. I've never used them. I used them for well over seven years, substantially so. Um, if you can't get your students to do what they need to do. Or if you can only get them to do what you need to do through training aids, then you're not very good. I'm sorry. If you're a golf instructor and listen to this or you're taking lessons from somebody else and you're listening to this, sorry, they aren't very good. Period. Because they have to use the aid to get you there. They're probably using too many words. Um, and then on top of it, most people get most people get dependent on the aid. The aid's designed to help you feel. That's its design. But... It's the aid isn't actually what you would do without the aid. Like it's not there. You don't have it as a feedback mechanism. Like you have to learn how to feel those things for yourself. And I've learned a lot of like part of our job as golf instructors is to educate people how to learn, especially adults. Um, kids are usually pretty good about learning. They don't, they don't mind. They don't have preconceived notions about most things. So they're they're an open book they're blank slate you know it's a little bit easier there um but you've got to get your student to get into that spot and then they have to be able to repeat it without you and without the training aid they're going to go practice on their own they're going to i also will let people hit more balls than any other golf instructor with similar experience to me than uh how did i say how did i say that phrase you I got lost in the middle of that. More sentence. than any other golf instructor would feel comfortable doing. Oh yeah, I, I make them hit way more balls, especially in a first lesson, because you've got cheat codes that are going to happen. Like the brain will try and shortchange whatever you're asking them to do. I don't care how good you are, there will try and be some shortcuts that your brain will make. Even with Austin and Micah that I had uh, this last week, I only worked with them together combined for an hour each separately and ebb and flow between the two of them. But part of my job is to educate, like, hey, Austin, that was close, but that that was your cheat. Like, your brain's trying to cheat. So I need to see a lot of balls in order for the cheat to happen. If you only have somebody hit 40 balls, there's no chance you'll see what the cheat code is unless you're just really freaking good and you know what it's going to be. Um, so I like to see the cheat because when they do the cheat, they think they're doing the right movement, but the cheat will actually make them hit it worse. And so then they're not actually doing it correct, but they think they are, and they think they're getting worse, and they are because they're not doing it right. So you need to see a lot of balls to do that. So um, Go back but, to Mr. Tan. But anywho, like with Mr. Tan, um, I actually started with a training aid, ironically. Because, um, again, remember, I'm only basically two years into teaching. Uh, so I started with a training aid, uh, something between his arms to kind of – because he would swing with his elbows way out. Um, <clears throat> and so I put it between his arms – and asked him to squeeze that in there. I didn't ask him to. I asked him by putting his arms on there, swinging back and said, good. And on bad ones, like I pulled his arm out of the aid because you can actually do it the one I was using. Um, let his arm come out of the aid. And I was like, that's bad. That's good. Like that's the extent of what I could 
communicate. So it wasn't completely with no words, but it was enough to be like, you know, good, not good, good, not good. But putting my hands on them and putting in those spots. And so <clears throat> then when, so we made back swings, we made forward swings, but it was all about putting them in those spots. I did the same thing in putting, same thing in wedges, <clears throat> uh, same thing in driving. We didn't go on the golf course, which looking back, I would have put him on, I would have gone on the golf course with him um, probably twice since he was there the whole week. Um, but <clears throat> I feel like too, tell me if I'm wrong, that a lot of golf pros don't put students on the course quick enough. Oh my gosh. Yes. Big time. Um, and so part of that navigating that here is a, this is a really busy golf course. Uh, B is I'm trying to grow my business and it's hard to reach a lot of clients when you get them on the golf course and it costs more money for the client to get them on the golf course too. So, um, there's ways to minimize the cost of that and the cracking the code program. I'm able to minimize the cost of that, uh, to the, to the customer. But, um, their swing will break down on the golf course and you better be able to, you need to be able to see it happen. I, I've gone on the golf course with players. I'm like, I've never seen you swing like that ever. Here's why that's happening. Um, so that's to me, that's really, really important that um, we get them on the golf course. And I've been at fault for it just as much as any golf professional has. Uh, so, hey, there we go. That way I can turn and look at everybody. No, feel free to manhandle that mic. Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to be gentle. Um so I'm not popping my peas too much on this thing. That's what the filter, that's what the, <coughs> they call it a pop filter for oh, a reason. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, but the, the purpose, like the best golf lesson ever given is one with no, that I gave with no words. That, that was, <coughs> people ask, you know, what was a transition for you in teaching? Um, that's probably the first big pivot in my teaching. Um, the uh, second big pivot for me was watching students, like we got them a lot better on technique every year. Average stroke improvement was like eight shots where we were. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, but they still suck at playing, like just terrible, like just awful. They have no clue on how to strategically make decisions on the golf course. And that's when I started writing a program, started to write my first book. And here we are with the second book. So like that was transition number two. <clears throat> Transition number three happened when I started teaching on my own up here, having my own place. Uh, and that transition, uh, I think, is complete at this point. Like that, that pivot, I think, took a full year and a half. Um, but I get my hands on students as much as possible. Um, and COVID made that challenging, right? So we had to maintain that six-foot distance at least for several months. Um, and so trying to direct people with words uh and visual demonstrations was i was i'm good at it but it's just not it's not the quality that i like to deliver and it's not the quality anybody can deliver so you know that was um is certainly the, a challenge is there a type of student where like okay so let's just take me for example right we've been working for a long time together it feels like i mean it feels like it's felt even longer just because we've been doing the podcast together <laughs> But we, we've been we've been working on my swing for a long time. I I I'm guessing that there's a difference between coaching somebody like me, who is able to who's like an ultra feeler, compared to like somebody else who might need a little bit more help understanding where their body is at at all times. How is teaching with no training aids uh, or limited training aids different in somebody who feel who might not be as uh, in depth of a feeler? 
because I feel like the the training aids do a lot to help those people understand um, what they're doing wrong. Yeah, but you don't need the training aid to help them understand. Gotcha. So go into that. Yeah. So <coughs> understand. So communication is the ability is the sending and receiving of information. So like I could communicate to uh, Princess and John the same thing. Maybe it's hitting from an uneven line. I could communicate the same thing to them with a ball below their feet, which they don't need the same thing with the ball below the feet because their swing profiles are different. So, sorry, sidebar. Um, but, but, right, so that's part of the point, right? It's not the same. But even if I communicate it exactly the same, they're both going to receive it differently. And so communication is the sending and receiving of information. What putting your hands on somebody does and putting them where they need to be, it eliminates all confusion. There are no words of like, oh, you know, I, I, need, my, I need my right arm straight here. Well, what does right arm straight mean? We, I remember this with Mike when we started last year, the first guy in our Cracking the Code program to be put, you know, in the hot seat as we called it. Everybody was watching. It's like, all right, everybody, was, were Mike arms straight in that swing? Nope. Okay. Mike, try again. All right, were they straight that time? Nope. Try again. Third time. <laughs> this is funny. Mike, arms straight. Were they straight? Nope, not that time. He's like, I mean, straight? What do you mean by straight? Like, straight? Straight? I was like, what does straight mean to you? Like, I don't know. Like, one bent, one straight, half bent. Like, what? They're not straight at the end of your swing. Now, that was in the Cracking the Code program. So, like, I'm building layers on it. Like, that's not the end game, right? That's that's a step towards something else. Um, but just in the fact that I was using words... It was lost in translation in a very simple thing. Like, everybody here, if I asked you to put your arms out in front of you and put, make them straight, nobody would do this. Unless you had an anatomical reason why your arms don't go any straighter. So, it's like, straight is straight. Now, some of you may go further past straight if you have hypermobility. But even then, like, we all assume straight is as straight as I can make them. But in that context of swinging a golf club, it got lost in translation. Now, if I had put Mike there and said, I want it here, and then the job was to ask everybody, did he put it there or not, I guarantee you it wouldn't take him four swings to get there. He'd do it maybe in two. And the only reason he wouldn't do it on the first one is because it was hard to do. But see, when you don't use words, you eliminate any confusion that can be lost in words. I want you to go on a just a quick little tangent of this past week when you did a lesson God. with with no eyes. So, so <laughs> um, I knew you were going to bring this up when I did this golf lesson because this is kind of, this is super cool. So I mean, It ties right into it. Um, so I told Jack, um, the challenge when you're the head somewhere and you're the lead dog is to continue to improve and recognize your own weaknesses. Um, and so I told Jack, I was like, you know what? I haven't, you know, I, I'm using, I'm putting my hands on students as much as I possibly can, given what people are comfortable with and not comfortable with. Um, there's all sorts of things that I'm trying to do to get them where they need to be. Um, and <clears throat> yes, coming up for drinks. Um, 
and so where am I? I'm completely lost at this point. <laughs> this is welcome to the bridge. Um, so I told Jack, I said, I want to try and give a golf lesson with my eyes closed um, because I want to challenge what I know and what I don't know. Um, and it was really interesting because we're trying to find the, like the right student. Who do you give a golf lesson to with your eyes closed when you have two good eyes? Like who's going to sign up for that? And Jack's like, you can do it on my buddy, Kyle. Like he and I are coming on Thursday for a lesson. I don't even worry about me. Just give him a golf lesson with, uh, with your eyes closed. So I opened my eyes enough to like not trip over stuff. But in terms of like watching a golf swing, I didn't watch the golf swing at all. Um, I only listened to the shot. Um, I couldn't see the ball. That was part of the agreement. I couldn't see the ball. I couldn't see the swing. Um, I saw him as a person walk up um, and set his bag down. But uh, it took us what about? Took me took me less than fifteen minutes. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, I need to. Where's the I have that text that I sent to you. It'll be easier if I read out parts of this. Um, <clears throat> do some filler time like you're really good at doing. Like I'm really good at doing, eh? Yeah. Uh, well, I told, I, told uh, I told my buddy Kyle, he, I was like, hey, we should go for a golf lesson before, uh, before we play in the scramble tournament uh, the weekend, I guess, that next weekend. The next day. And he's like, uh, so Scott's good on Wednesday, right? And I'm like, no, he's, he's not. Like <laughs> He's booked up all day. Um, and so I, I texted Scott, I was like, Hey man, do you have, do you have some time before the weekend? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And on Thursday from five to five thirty. So I was like, all right, I know Scott's pretty good at this. I know he can fix him. And <laughs> then I was like, well, you know, out of respect for Scott, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're compensating him for his time. And Kyle was more than willing to pay for a lesson. And I was like, Hey, uh, do you think you could give Kyle the lesson with your eyes closed and use him as a test dummy? Yeah, I didn't really. You didn't give me much warning to do it. I was like, yeah, okay, let's try it. Well, um, you, were, you were texting me the night before. You were I like, know. I want to try this, and I was like, well, I mean, you let's said do it I tomorrow. Could, you could use you, but I didn't want to use somebody that I already Knew like. I already profile. had too much context. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. wanted to remove any context that I had to really challenge my own ability to do certain things. I learned some things from it, and I realized I'm really good at some things too. So. Um, one was so here I texted uh, you and Erica what I did because wanted to leverage this at some point and share this. It was kind of cool. So um, steps from the blind lesson today. So I said, uh, not the student blind, me blind. Um, <clears throat> I said I listened to about three to five swings from down the line, sitting in my chair. I was just listening. Uh, and in parentheses, it sounded like a draw swing that was hitting the ball in the heel. So I could tell you what the swing profile likely looked like and where it was getting hit on the face, which led to the ball. Didn't really draw. It would either snap hook or it would hit this cut to the right. Um, and so that was all by sound. Um, and then I put it on there right after that. I said, for the first time ever, I was aware of the sound of the backswing. I could actually hear the club going back. I was completely unaware that I had that ability. I could tell sound of contact and what the ball did, where it got hit on the face, what type of swing profile it was likely looking like and what the ball is likely to do. And it wasn't right 100% of the time, but like it's close enough to be able to know what the ball is doing. Um, <clears throat> I could hear the backswing and could hear the path and the face angle while it was going back. And I put on there like eyes wide open, like brain emoji. Um, emojis need to have sounds with them, by the way. 
Can you can you uh, like describe uh, what like what you? Because I think when people hear like you're like oh he he's got X-ray vision, right? Like I think that there's a difference in what you hear versus you know obviously what anybody else hears. And I'm just thinking about it in my head. I'm like okay, what can he hear? And I'm like well, I bet if he's got like an inside takeaway, you'll hear it kind of accelerate a little bit more maybe. And then I don't know maybe you hear a little more more drag on outside. I I I can't like I can't. Uh, uh, I don't know how to put it into words. Like I could just like basically the way this is the way my best way I can describe it. As I heard the club come back, I could see where the club likely was. Like I had a I had a picture in my head of where the club was. Like I could tell you the angle on the club face and the position of the club relative to the plane line simply by sound. And so people are like, oh, I can tell by the sound of contact. I was like, no, you can't. If you haven't been doing this for at least seven years, there's no chance you can tell me ball after ball after ball what that sound of that contact. Well, I could tell it wasn't solid. I was like, well, yeah. Can you tell me quarter of an inch, half an inch, here, there, what groove? Like, no, you can't. Beforehand, I can, and I watched Hank do that, which was amazing to watch. You also put your, your hands on him, too, in for, uh, so, for a takeaway. So – the next thing was I walked around to face on and listened to three to five more swings. So we're about 10 swings in at this point, six to 10. Um, and then I stepped in and put my hands on the player's back and asked him to make two back swings, just feeling the movement. So I opened my eyes enough to walk up and stand, uh, stand facing him, put my hands on his back, and then I just followed his, his body. I just kept my hands on his body and followed where it went. So I'm just, I don't know what I'm looking for. I have no clue. I'm just like, this is all reconnaissance. So putting my hands on his back, uh, did that for two swings, just feeling the movement. Then I asked him to do the same thing, but then move down to rehearse impact, wherever he thought impact needed to be. I kept my hands on his back. Uh, then I made my first swing adjustment. Uh, I asked him to drop his right foot back away from the target line one inch and flare the right and flare the toes on his right foot out, which is his rear foot. I have no idea why I did that. I think that's what everybody listening is going to get upset about because you're like, I have no clue why I did that. And they're like, well, tell us, guys. So this is what we used to do to Hank. So when Sue I and I were learning from Hank, um, she's now uh, teaching at an academy in Malaysia, and she was on the LPGA tour. We would look at Hank and go, so why did you do that? He's like, I don't know. I just felt like the right thing to do. And we're like, well, that's not helpful. We're trying to learn how to do this. What do you mean you're just telling us it just felt like the right thing to do? But when you have so much experience teaching, and I've seen tens of thousands of golf swings in the context of lessons and not lessons. Uh, we're in the hundreds of thousands at this point. But um, it's you begin to just pick up on things. Your brain's doing a billion, billion calculations a second. So, like, you start to pick up on things, and, like, you just – instinctually as a coach does in certain moments in a game stats don't matter at that point there's just you're able to seemingly do the right thing at the right time i feel like it's a it's a mental flow chart that you just kind of accumulate over hundreds of thousands of hours right right all right speed it up here we got uh, two more things before we got to um, sign off so okay so um i so hang on made that swing adjustment uh, flare the toes out. Then I had him do rehearse the same backswing, then to impact with my hands on him. And I felt the angle and speed of transition change to a movement that felt like it would shallow the club more and keep the uh, club in closer to him, promoting a draw. So 
I could like by having my hands on him, I felt something that I couldn't see with the naked eye. I guarantee you I could not have seen with my eyes closed. Uh, so that was a moment where I learned, I was like, I got to do this more and I need to close my eyes more so I can feel more and feel how they move. Um, so that was a really cool moment for me. And that's when I was like, this is it. Go, go ahead and hit one. And still was hitting the heel. And uh, so I said, he didn't hit these very good. So uh, blah, blah, blah. Stepped away and let him hit six to eight shots. Most were poorly hit, but in the center, uh, thin and low or center or fat, but or and low center or fat, but they were in the center of the club, which is one of the things we had to get off the heel. So I knew that was good. I was like, all right, time out there. We're going to go straight to the driver. Never would have done this in a normal lesson either. Uh, jumped straight to the driver, asked him to do the same thing. Um, and then, uh, let's see, got the same feedback of heel hit and cook, uh, hooking new immediately. So I had him set his hips in a different position at address. Um, and at this point, that's when I opened my eyes. So I didn't open my eyes till after I set his hips where I wanted him to be. And I stepped back and I looked at Jack. I was like, this is it. And then, boom, just started flushing him. No hooks. Hooks were gone. Uh, and I said, all right, let's come back to the iron. And there it was. And then the irons are just clicking, clicking, clicking. And then you went and played three holes with him after. So we were done in about 20 swings. You said to me, too, you go... I want to like start doing this more often so that if I ever lose my ability to see or see as, you know, crisp as you probably do right now, I can still, I can still teach. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of, uh, pros and actually a lot of everybody who plays golf relies so much on their eyes and not enough on more parts of their body. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about that. We had a podcast a while back about, uh, I guess it was early this spring, playing in the dark you me and erica did that um he learned so much you just learned so much yes and i mean like if you guys know who have played at dusk uh seeing gets really hard and if you try to rely on your eyes you're in trouble yep um so closing thoughts uh closing thoughts are uh first shout out to golf instructors if you're listening to this or you have a instructor that you're taking lessons from uh send this podcast to them. Uh, tell them to put their hands on you and put them where they need to be. Get rid of the training aids. Get rid of the video. Get rid of the 3D motion capture. Get rid of the track, man. Toss it all out. Hank used to challenge me to give golf lessons without any tech. Zero. And we had been using tech. We'd use 3D. We'd use force plates. We'd use... Uh, we had sensors on clubs with the TaylorMade Performance Lab. Like, we had all of the stuff. Um, and he would say, go give a golf lesson without it. Because it was a challenge to... can do you really understand what's going on when you see somebody? Um, and so, you know, I love all the tools. I can't wait till we have them. Um, I think they're only going to enhance what I do, uh, but I'm not going to change. Like we're going to, we're going to get your stuff on all that fancy tech. Then we're going to put the fancy tech away, go old school, put you where you need to be, let you feel it and keep putting you there until you get it. Um, and then um, let you learn from there. Learn to feel, turn, Close your eyes. Learn to swing with your eyes closed. Like, you have to pay attention to your feels. So, um, <clears throat> people are like, well, I need to see the ball. I remember doing this with, okay, so Jen and Aaron. <laughs> this, funny moments like this, you can't, you, can't, you can't make these happen. This is just complete, pure accident, but work perfect. So, with Jen and Aaron, one time, Jen had said something like, 
well, I got to keep my eye on the ball. It's like, why do I need to look at the ball? So I'm like looking at Jen. I swing and hit a ball, and it goes right at the target and hits the pole on the driving range. It's like, I didn't need to see it. It hit the pole. You know, I didn't have to look at the ball. It's looking at you the whole time. And so there are people that play golf that are blind or that have impaired sight, um, and you don't need your eyes. Are they an asset? Absolutely. Are they a liability? They certainly can be. Um, same with fancy tech. So I can't wait till I have the tech. I love it. But a teacher having tech doesn't make them a good teacher. It makes them a good marketer. That's it. That's the only thing that tech does. What makes somebody a great teacher is their ability to use that to make you better and shoot lower scores. It's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. Um, I'm thankful for every second I got to learn from Hank. I used to watch him at the, he'd be at the end of a lesson writing the students notes down on, on paper to hand to them and He'd be like, that was a great one. I'm, I'm like looking at him sideways like, you're not even watching him swing. He can tell by the sound of contact based on their swing profile where their swing's going. And so um, I didn't learn that till about year seven. And I was like, oh, he doesn't need to see it because that's when I started being able to tell by sound exactly what the club did. Not kind of sort of what the club did, like what most people can do. But very precisely, they can tell you face angle, path, descent angle. I can tell you all that stuff. Uh, so um, I'm going to continue to, if I close my eyes during your golf lesson, don't don't think I'm like off in la la land falling asleep. I'm I'm probably trying, I'm probably trying to learn something uh, and feel what your body's doing so I can better direct you. So um, I'm going to continue to do that in in my teaching, and that was really cool, Kyle. Thanks for doing that, Jack. Thanks for giving me no time uh, to do that. <laughs> hey, a 30-minute lesson. This is a good time to try this. You have no time. But I, I've told you this. I'm better under pressure. I was about to mention that. Yeah. yeah. it's. I sometimes confuse stress and pressure. I'll put a lot of stress. Like That's screwed me up in a lot of ways before. Princess is laughing because she knows multiple scenarios that um, I've done that in. But um, pressure, stress feels like pressure to me, and that's where I kind of get lost sometimes in the weeds. But, anywho, what? I get out. That's right. We're going to so. wrap it up here from the back porch of Franklin Bridge, episode one of the week. Hopefully, we'll uh, get two more in. If Scott starts talking, talking I'll more. I'll slow down. Oh, might I'll only speed get, up. Uh, sorry. Might only get two down. in tonight. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up Thanks. from the back porch of Franklin Bridge. As always, if you're not following Scott on Instagram, you need to be. It's at Golf. Um, that's where you can find updates on everything that Scott's doing here at Franklin Bridge. Um, and you can find Franklin Bridge on Instagram, too. I think it's a FBGC Golf Club, maybe? I, dude. That was terrible. Can you cut that out? <laughs> I do. I should cut that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that, I think it's Franklin Bridge Golf or FranklinBridgeGC.com. There it is. Not .com. Dot com. We're both out Jeez, of it. Man. <laughs> I'm just going to shut up. But anyway, make sure you're following Scott. Scott also tags Franklin Bridge and everything that he has. So you can... Franklin Bridge GC. Okay, I wasn't too far off. Um, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always... 
feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards, come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, we got some specials going on. We had some $5 flatbread pizzas. We had some amazing chicken tacos, as well as drink specials going on all night long. So make sure to support the Persimmon Pub as well when you come out. We would love to see you guys. We do one episode and then a live Q&A and then another episode. So from 7 to 9 on Wednesdays, we hope to see you soon, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.